Hi, friends. Welcome to the third episode of the Plant Peace podcast. Um, I hope that you're having a really, really wonderful day today. I know my day has been super like chill and laid back. Woke up and it was negative four degrees outside. So I've only left the house to get mail. It's so cold. I have like a heater at my feet and like this blanket right here and still a little chilly, but I'm grateful for all the warm stuff we have. I hope that your day is maybe a little bit warmer um, than mine has been. Um, So today we're going to be talking about pigs. We're going to be reading a little bit out of order from how the book is written. We're going to be skipping the cow section and going to pigs. We will address cows. Um, But right now we have kind of an exciting opportunity where I was, well, I am going to be interviewing Matt Johnson, who was going to be on trial um, for a felony case of rescuing a piglet from a factory farm and also wiretapping and surveilling a certain farm that was performing performing ventilation shutdown, which is what I'm going to talk about it here, but it's where they shut off all the airways and essentially slowly roast the pigs alive. Um, and I'll be talking, I'll be going more into that as we um, progress with this episode. Um, but he was being charged on those two counts and then a third charge for a new ag gag law that's passed in the state of Iowa. And days, like a day before his trial began, the prosecutor dropped all the charges against him. All of them. He could have faced like kind of serious prison time for this. And that's what I was going to talk with him about. So now our topic has changed a bit to, wow, they're afraid to take us to court. Like they know that what they're doing is ethically and morally not okay. And that a jury will likely see that even in the heart of animal agriculture, which is the state of Iowa, at least the heart in the United States. So this is a huge win for animal rights. And they actually um, argued the dismissal and they were like, no, we we actually want the chance to take you guys to stand. And they they were like, N-. the judge was so confused. He's like, e- what? You're fighting the dismissal of the case? And so everyone's just confused. Um, but there was going to be about 40 activists coming to support him in trial. And now they're still coming anyways. People have bought the plane tickets. They've driven this far. So people are already in the hotels. Um, and we're going to be spending about four or five days down there with them. And now we're kind of scheduling different actions that we're going to take to really show that like, hey, if, if this law is so unjust that you don't even think it's going to win in court, it should be overturned. And so there's going to be a series of protests. They're still mid-planning them right now because they were expecting to be in trial and now they're not, which is like amazing. I'm filming this episode a few days early since I am going to be traveling. So I will be in a bit of a most likely a different outfit um, for the end half of this video. Um, But yeah, so that's so exciting. So we're going to be talking about all of that today. Um, Well, I guess today for you guys, different day, different day for me. But first, we're going to go over the pig chapter of the book so you get kind of a good idea of the industry and what's going on. And then we're going to talk to an activist who is really deeply, you know, working um, to liberate animals and to fight from a legal standpoint for their rights and their protection. And so far, we've had a lot of wins. Like, when I was arrested for chaining myself to a facility that was doing ventilation shutdown, they dropped the charges on me too when I called them to the stand. And so they're afraid of us. 
And like, that's just honestly amazing. Like these industry giants that have billions of dollars and are mass murdering all these animals are scared of a few people who are just willing to peacefully protest and are actually like, yeah, I'll take you to trial. I'll do that. I will risk my freedom like to make this point and to fight for their freedom. And they're terrified of that. So hopefully this is going to be a super empowering um episode so yes okay without further ado let's dive into where are we okay gonna talk about pigs god i love pigs pigs are like some of my favorite animals in the world i didn't know that until becoming a vegan and like meeting pigs um sadly um one of my favorite pigs actually just passed away so that's devastating um named Archie and he was living in Iowa from Sanctuary with his best friend Iron Man um and they were rescued from a truck crash actually holding tra- transporting pigs um and you know they were supposedly healthy and happy at the sanctuary for quite some time they were really young though they're like basically babies um but apparently Archer Archie had a tumor that like I think burst through his appendix or I don't, I don't remember exactly what happened, but um, it had a tumor that ended up killing him. And so that was really sad. He would always like run up and like roll over and he'd really want belly rubs and him and Iron Man would like run up kind of like, like screaming isn't the right word, but like loudly being exclamative um when i would come and see them and they were just so sweet they were my favorites um so yeah so that's sad um but i'm glad he got a really good life while he was at iowa farm sanctuary he got so much love and care and hopefully you know he's at peace now and hopefully iron man is able to you know find a new a new friend to bond with he was just moved into the pen with the larger pigs because they're smaller because they're younger and they've been kind of bullying them which is sad so hopefully he gets acclimated to um you know the the pig social dynamic soon oh, sad okay well <laughs> hi luna the cat luna is staring at me hello she's very wired up because it's cold so she can't really go outside so she's just all of her like hyperactiveness is just happening all around the house um which is sometimes very chaotic but we love her Alrighty, pigs here's pictures pigs oh podcast people you can't see the pictures so for those of you listening I am also uploading, um, I'm filming videos well of this as well. And so I upload the videos to YouTube um, and post them to my Facebook. So if you ever want to like see me talking and showing pictures and stuff, um, just head on over to my YouTube channel and you will see that. Alrighty. Of the most common animals, humans farm for food. Pigs are some of the smartest by our scale of measurement. They have displayed... Co- they have displayed cognitive capabilities that surpass those of dogs and of three-year-old children. They form close friendships, often with other species, and are extremely protective of their young. They are, relate- they are relatively peaceful animals and keep themselves and their space clean when given the chance. This makes the horrific manner in which they are treated and confined, which they are extremely conscious of, to be incomprehensible. 
Pigs enjoy rooting in the ground and finding their own food, which they have preferences for. In the industry, they are fed the same shitty food on an automatic system day in and day out. Unfortunately, many are fed literal trash, plastic specifically. Bags of bread and other stale food wrapped in plastic are heated up to high temperatures and turned into a sort of brown dust, which is added to pig feed. These microplastics get into their bloodstream and flesh and end up in those who consume them. On any given day, there are around 71 million pigs in factory farms, while over 161 million are slaughtered every year in the U.S. alone. The images of pigs running around in pastures and playing in the grass is really only a reality in sanctuaries. Virtually every animal sold for their flesh was raised in extreme confinement conditions, and if they were not, then they face the ultimate betrayal as their caretaker sends them to slaughter. These are some pigs held captive in a CAFO. This is an image that I took here around the Fairfield, Iowa area. Around 6 million of these pigs in captivity are mother sows, which spend nearly their entire life in gestation crates. The dimensions of these cells are typically 7 feet long and 2 feet wide, meaning they cannot even turn around. It's one of the worst types of confinement imaginable. After being artificially inseminated, carrying her young for several months, and giving birth, then she will be moved to a slightly larger cell called a farrowing crate, which gives her just enough room to lay down and nurse her piglets, who are separated from her by metal bars. She will get the luxury of spending as little as 10 days with her babies before the survivors are taken away. Then she is impregnated again and forced to repeat the vicious cycle. Pigs can naturally live to be in their teens, but in this industry, mothers survive to be only about three to four years old before they're sold for their flesh, after having been abused for the entire duration of their lives. Those who are being used solely for their flesh will be raised in a CAFO for about six months until they reach slaughter weight. Then the industry likes to refer to them as hogs, and they are trucked off to a slaughterhouse. According to industry reports, more than 1 million pigs die en route to slaughterhouses every year. During the stressful trip, they are denied food and water and arrive at the slaughterhouses extremely distressed. Before describing what this process entails, I'd like to offer a perspective of what life could look like for these animals. A pig park was created by researchers from the University of Edinburgh in order to study the natural behavior of pigs. They took pigs who would have usually been raised in confinement and instead released them into the makeshift natural environment for observation. To quote an article by Bernard E. Rowland in the book CAFO, in this environment, the sows covered almost a mile a day in foraging, and in keeping up with their reputation as clean animals, they built carefully constructed nests on a hillside so that urine and feces ran downhill. They took turns minding each other's piglets so that each sow could forage, all of this natural behavior is inexpressible in confinement. The process of slaughtering these animals is disgraceful. In America, an average of 355,000 pigs are slaughtered daily. The typical slaughter rate of pigs is 1,000 an hour. Line speeds are quick. Workers monotonously performing the same cold-blooded actions over and over again are desensitized to the violence while the stench of blood and feces is so thick that you can smell it from the streets. The first involves using a stun gun, a knife, and a scalding bath of hot water, and the second involves a CO2 gas chamber. To quote Matthew Scully's article in the book CAFO, 
All these creatures and billions more across the earth go to their deaths knowing nothing of life and nothing of man except the foul, tortured existence of the factory farm, having never been outdoors. Can you imagine never stepping foot outside? Never touching the earth? Ever? Having your entire connection to this planet taken from you? It's insane. It's disgraceful. Recently in Iowa, there was a newfound problem for pig farmers. Most slaughterhouses had shut down, and they had nowhere to send the hogs at a slaughter-ready weight. COVID-19 hit Iowa most significantly in the animal agriculture sector, particularly in meatpacking plants and slaughterhouses. This forced the factories, who had literally hundreds of employees test positive for the virus, to either, el- to either limit operations or shut down completely until a solution came about. This presented a crisis for those who intended to send animals to be killed at these facilities. Many farms elected to mass kill all of the pigs on site and then bury or burn their bodies. Seriously. That's what they did. A method called ventilation shutdown was revived and enacted by major corporations. Iowa Select Farms, Iowa's largest pig-killing company, was a particularly big culprit. An employee at ISF actually reached out to the animal rights organization Direct Action Everywhere to blow the whistle on what was happening because he was so horrified. An investigative team formed and they were able to get the first footage ever recorded of ventilation shutdown. Here's what they found. They prepare a specific facility for the massacre. Then they unload thousands of pigs into the shed. All airways are sealed off and scalding hot steam is pumped into the building. Over the course of several hours, the pigs are essentially slowly boiled alive while suffocating. The process continues overnight until most of the pigs are dead. The next morning, workers walk through the sea of bodies, searching for signs of life from any of the victims. Some were visibly still breathing, still suffering, so they shot them in the head. According to the depopulation guidelines put forth by the American Veterinary Medical Association, the POD recommends that VSD only be used in facilities with the capability to adequately increase air temperature to a level that causes the generation of latent heat that results in a 95% death in less than an hour. The goal of any depopulation is 100% mortality, and this remains true for VSD. Based on the footage and audio recording obtained by DXE, 100% mortality was certainly not achieved, even after a 12-hour period. It's likely that a few of the pigs appeared dead but were actually unconscious, in which case they were then buried or burned alive. ISF was crudely unable to meet the cruel standards that their very industry put forth for them. ISF has since stopped doing ventilation shutdown. This announcement came following a series of actions by DXE involving activists, including myself and my partner, chaining themselves to the fence of a farm that was about to bring in pigs for VSD, releasing the footage obtained, rescuing a piglet, and burying dead piglets on the home property of Iowa Select Farm CEO Jeff Hansen. That pissed him off. 
Three days before my trial, I requested we subpoena a representative for ISF to show them and the court what it was we were protesting and demand justice for these animals. When ISF received the subpoena, they dropped the charges against me. Activism works. It also, unfortunately, encouraged the passing of a new law, House File 775. Under the bill, knowingly entering private property without the owner's consent and taking soil and water samples or samples of an animal's bodily fluid or other animal products would become an aggravated misdemeanor on the first offense. That crime carries a sentence of up to two years in prison. A second offense would be a Class D felony, punishable by up to five years in prison. This has obviously made the work we do much more difficult, making the footage and information we have already obtained that much more important. To gain an understanding of the perspective of pigs on these farms, I highly recommend watching this video by Direct Action Everywhere on YouTube, Unseen, a look into the final hours of life for pigs from Smithfield. And this is a kind of graphic picture I got, I think like my first month or two here in Iowa. It was of a dead pig on the loading dock of a CAFO. Just blood dripping out of his nose. He looks so sad. Alrighty. Well, that is the pig section. Um, the next segment of this episode, we're going to be talking to Matt Johnson and, you know, asking him about this trial that now didn't happen, what this is going to mean for activism moving forward. And um, I'm going to actually have to think of some new questions to ask him because now all the ones I was going to are relevant to the fact that the charges were dropped. <sighs> all right. Well, I will see you very, very soon. Thank you. All right. And joining us today here, we have Matt Johnson. Um, I was supposed to interview him a few days ago, but things just got kind of crazy with the Iowa convergence. And so we're here now. So that's what's important. So without further ado, um, thank you for being on here, Matt. So tell me, what were you going to be on trial for? So the official charges uh, that I was uh, facing were uh, felony burglary and uh, misdemeanor charges of uh, electronic eavesdropping and uh, food operation trespass. Uh, so the uh, felony burglary, it was uh, punishable by up to five years in prison and the crime was removing a sick piglet who would have uh, well either died or been killed shortly after we were inside of this facility. Um, uh, so that the state of Iowa powers that be decided, you know, up to five years in prison for that one. And um, electronic eavesdropping is, uh, you know, uh, the term that they use for uh, planting hidden recording devices to hmm. capture um, you know, looking for uh, animal cruelty, that sort of thing. And then the uh, food operation trespass is one of Iowa's ag-hag laws, um, ironically, uh, or not coincidentally, a, a law that was actually passed in response to investigative work that I led. Um, and then subsequently mm -hmm. later on, I, I was in the vicinity and, and charged under the very law that was explicitly passed to, to come after us. So for sure. uh, there you go. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I guess getting away from the, the letter of the law, like the, the, what, it, what it was stated, 
crimes, so-called, here are uh, what what it's really about. Uh, you know, most prominently is this uh, ventilation shutdown, uh, mass pig killing expose that that I was involved with, and uh, you you had some some roles in that one too. I don't know how public public all that is. But, uh, yeah, I've spoken about some of that in my book actually. Oh wow, book! Mm-hmm. I didn't even know there was a book. Wow, book. Oh podcast. yeah, this is literally what this podcast is. It, yeah, it's the Plant Peace podcast, and um, it's like an audio book of my book but I'm also like interviewing people and you know researching things further and like adding in updates as like activism happens so um yeah yeah, funny yeah well welcome to the plant peace podcast (laughs) yeah yeah. I guess uh, yeah yeah I uh, introduced to to all the new stuff well that's awesome (laughs) yeah so so but um so I guess for for the listeners out there so this is uh this ventilation shutdown um you know, just otherworldly, you know, even as an animal rights activist, first time you hear about this is just shocking. And what we're talking about here is this mass pig killing uh, where they load thousands of pigs into these industrial sheds and they have the air vents all sealed up. So there's no air leaking in, leaking out from any of the doorways or anything like that. And they uh, have these tubes that are fed into the the facility they pump in heat they pump in steam and it's um you know over the course of of literally hours these animals are just cooked to death um and we have the video and the audio and they're just screaming for hours on end as this is happening and this was something that happened uh, right as COVID was sort of just a, a new and scary thing in the world in the spring of 2020 and um, the slaughterhouses were sort of key, um, you know, locations where this was, was spreading amongst the workers who were working closely together. And so you have slaughterhouses that are uh, shutting down or reducing operations, which then, you know, in terms of the, you know, quote unquote supply chain, uh, these companies like Iowa Select Farms, which, was, which uh, is Iowa's uh, leading so-called pork producer, uh, they got nowhere to send their pigs. And this is a company that we already know is in, in routinely in violation of Iowa law in terms of the number of animals that they're cramming into these facilities. So um, there just is no, you know, wiggle room, so to speak, in terms of what, when they can't send the pigs to the slaughterhouse, uh, when they thought they were going to, then they kind of feel like they have nowhere to, to send them. And, you know, as a, as someone who, values non-human life you there are there are options uh they're they're expensive options they're not they're not good for the bottom line but um yeah. you know land exists <laughs> buildings can be built people can be paid for overtime there are options out there but uh not options that they were willing to pursue and uh so you know in the interest of the only thing that they're ever in the interest of their bottom line they um sought the um cheapest solution and uh, completely disregarded animal well-being and so it arrived at this horrific practice. And we actually were made aware of it, um, you know, not because of animal rights activists out there doing doing our muckraking work, not because of, um, you know, what, whatever the, the radicals are up to. It was a truck driver with this very company. Uh, Lucas Walker is his name. And he, you know, he, he wouldn't, the animal rights activists wouldn't be the first place he would turn to address yeah. his concerns. And, and, and we certainly weren't. Uh, but this was when his own company you know, is, is, is doing horrible things to animals and is 
unapologetic about it and law enforcement at all levels at the state level the local level um, is, is not doing anything about it and so really as a last resort you know he's like you know just having a crisis of conscience he reaches out to us yeah. actually under a fake name um, because he's been been told all sorts of horrible things about what animal rights activists are all about. So, you know, it's, I guess, yeah. understandable that it originally it was under fake name. And one thing leads to another, we, we come out here and we're, you know, it's a several week long process and, and we document this and we show the world, um, you know, what, what's going on here. And, and so we're really proud that we were able to do that. It's, it's an amazing, you know, people like you just sprung up out of nowhere uh, when kind of called to duty, so to speak. And, um, and the prosecution really flowed out of that, and you know that put a big you know mark on on a big target on our back. Uh, I I was facing charges, you were facing charges, and yeah. uh, it went, went the same way with you. You know, uh, tellingly, yeah. <laughs> it's like oh trial, let let's do this thing. Let's, let's let's get up here and let's have a real conversation about this. You know, yeah. even if maybe there's guilty, maybe it ends up guilty, but let's get let's get Iowa Select Farm CEO Jeff Hansen up here and talk to us about how how necessary this was and what alternatives mm -hmm. is this guy who has a private jet who had, you know, he's the CEO of this company that's worth upwards of a billion dollars. Like, let, let's hear it out. Uh, they didn't want, didn't want to try with you. They've now uh, dismissed charges on me twice just uh, prior to trial. And, uh, you know, anybody who's paying attention uh, really knows what's going on here. Yeah, really. It's kind of like we've been actively trying almost to get them to trial. Like, hey, you know, you aren't answering for what you're doing anywhere else. Like answer in a court of law. And they are just progressively actively choosing to not do that, even after originally pressing charges, but then maybe thinking about it more thoroughly and being like, oh, that's not going to that's not going to go well for us. Like hearing, you know, having a jury hear their victim screams when their whole point of, you know, having these tapos where, you know, there, there aren't windows and there are laws passed to make sure that no one can go in there. The point is so that no one can hear their screams. No one can see what they're doing. And so, you know, the actions that like, you know, we, and obviously a lot of other people too are doing, it's directly um, opposing really what they want. And so it's terrifying for them to go to court, but I feel like at some point they're going to have to, um, but I guess we'll, we'll see how that, we'll see how that goes moving forward. Um, yeah, we were all really shocked. I guess not all of us. I was really shocked that your charges were dropped. Like I was all prepared. I was, I was excited to go to court. I was like, this is going to go good. I think, you know, like I, I, I really hoped, um, that, you know, this would actually happen three days. I think before is when they dropped. It's funny. They dropped maybe it wasn't three i thought it was three days it was, uh, two, well two days when we got word and then one day the day before was when it officially happened and, and we we filed our uh we, we filed a, a motion resisting the dismissal of charges saying no yeah. we want to be heard out in court and <laughs> the judge was all kinds of confused on that one he was trying to pay value and uh um oh gosh uh, that's okay calling, lucas is calling me <laughs> 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 maybe, maybe we don't. I don't know. It's kind of that was honestly kind of great. Yeah, it's like mid-interview, and it's like, oh, there's that whistleblower we were just talking about, still yeah. blowing the whistle. Where were we? <laughs> all right. Um. All right. Well, my next question we already kind of talked about a little bit. Um. But is there, you know, aside from them just like not wanting to be exposed, is there a reason you think they dropped all of the charges? And I mean, this was you know a felony charge. Like you could have very well gone to prison for 
several years had this gone you know bad why do you think that they chose all of the sudden to just abandon the case yeah i think that we really got them in a pickle here they um you know kind of have to weigh the you know do they just sort of let it still be the norm let us keep keep doing it and and you know from their perspective keep encouraging people to do this sort of a thing um well and, and from our perspective <laughs> um uh, or do they kind of like bite the bullet and uh you know go to court and have you know have it all be bare for the whole world to see and um it was yeah I think they probably had a pretty good idea they were kind of bluffing all along but maybe at the end it was even a little more scary of a, of a PR nightmare than they had even anticipated. I know from our perspective, I'll tell you behind the scenes, we were kind of laying low on pushing media coverage until like we had media interest. We were just kind of sitting on it a little bit being like, hey, you know, you know maybe if you don't want to reach out to them, just yeah, it might be the way to go. And like, we're not like pitching it super hard. We're just trying to not, you know, really put it to them too much um, because you know, yeah, we wanted this, we wanted this trial to happen. Um, and I mean, last couple of days, right before trial, we, uh, I mean, court TV, we're hearing people who are interested. So it's, it's at that, you know, that's, that's one big thing. And I mean, the New York Times was talking about writing a story, Harper's Magazine, the Associated Press, um, you know, like Des Moines Register, a lot of like the local outlets, um, Guardian, Intercept, Vox, uh, you know, just, just a huge amount of attention there. Yeah, like all of the major news outlets, essentially, from all the names you just said so it would have been huge and so yeah they it makes sense why they why they pulled out um so what is what does this mean for the animal rights movement you know moving forward that they keep dropping these cases like how how do you guys plan to move forward from this yeah i i think it should be very encouraging stuff it should be um you know just it, uh, further kind of normalizing the right kind of world and you know uh, you know one day I, I sure hope and think that we'll be to a place where um, well at some point these facilities don't even exist and then maybe a little sooner than that would be where it's legal and, and normalized that people can go in and rescue animals that are suffering and uh, maybe a step closer than that will be like when you have like a legal case where there's a, a single decision by a jury that gets there and then I think maybe one step where we were a week ago and where we're now in like this where we have um, a case that, that gets dropped so it's all just kind of um, you know uh, way at, at getting to the kind of world where we, we want to get to where animals are, are respected as the sentient friends of ours as we know them to be yeah most definitely so a lot of the actions that you've done i mean you know you were about to go to trial and this is not the first time that you've been about to go to trial correct yeah they've already dropped charges on you before this so yeah most people and like i mean myself included i I have gotten arrested a few times for this but now i'm playing very cautious because i i am you know in some legal trouble still um most people are not willing to, you know, do things that are arrestable actions, things that put them at legal risk or, you know, even potential in physical harm because, you know, like Iowa, you can carry a weapon and if someone's trespassing on your property, you can shoot them and like that, that would likely go down in court fairly fine. And so at times, you know, this can be 
life-threatening to go in and document, you know, these cases of abuse and even go in and rescue animals. So why is this something that you're willing to, you know, do? Why is this something that you feel like impassioned to go forth and do despite the risks and possible ramifications? Yeah, it's a great question. I think, um, yeah, I think that it's, it has a lot to do with, with people's environment. I think that people, you know, every, everybody is, is kind of, you know, making sacrifices of, of their own sort, uh, in, you know, maybe most people, you know, whether it's for, for your family or, you know, taking care of a loved one and, you know, setting aside maybe years of your life to take care of, of somebody or, you know, just in various ways. So I think that, um, you know, a lot of people are, are doing things that are, that are similar-ish. This is just uh, kind of in a different, a little bit, uh, you know, a different context than is sort of like normalized in our world. But I think if, if you have the right kind of uh, support around you, a, a community of people who, who are, believe in the same sort of things, then, um, you know, it makes, it makes things, uh, you see things with a lot more clarity. And then there's sort of more, um, I mean, I'm not going to say there's, there's not fear there, but you're, you're more like at peace with it and, and feel very, uh, you know, I feel, feel very good that the people around me are going to sort of uh, capitalize on it. Uh, so whatever, whatever the outcome might be. So if it ends up sitting in a prison cell, then that's what it's going to be uh, there. You know, that's, uh, you know, what it could have been. And, um, but I would, I'd make it through, you know, I'm not, it's not like I'm a pig sitting in a gestation crate. A prison cell is a, uh, yeah, is a pretty far cry from that. So kind of uh, trying to keep things in perspective too, you know? Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, I th- definitely think like, you know, what you said about community is like really important with that because when you're somewhere where you don't have, you know, someone able to do jail support or take care of your companion animals or able to, you know, like, like you have a lawyer like ready or, you know, all of that, like it can be much scarier. Like I know with like my first arrests with arrest with DXC, I mean, I was sitting in, jail but with like 30 other women and it was kind of just like we just had a nice time really it wasn't (laughs) it wasn't a bad time and I was just like wow this is a so different than other people's um experiences and so I think one of my favorite things um that DXC has cultivated is like the community aspect of that and how you know supportive it really is and so um that's good that you know that is able to like empower people to take this sort of action because they don't feel alone. Yeah, um, actually, I mean, one, one quick note on that part is actually it was interesting that we had uh, we had a registrant at the Iowa Port Congress who was so kind as to record and pass along to us uh, this uh, seminar that had uh, an FBI uh, agent. I don't know what the word would be, but he's he's a weapons of mass destruction. Uh, specialist. So of course, that's completely relevant to animal rights activism. <laughs> uh, and he was he was talking about and, and saying, you know, gleefully or, you know, good, for, you know, that, that, oh, well, the animal rights movement is, is pretty fractured and, and people are, you know, you got local groups, but they're not really coordinating anything and, and just really just, you know, in some ways kind of just downplaying the threat saying, like, you know, you got to keep an eye out for these folks, but they are really kind of, you know, uh, not, not the biggest threat, which, you know, obviously is, uh, you know, they, 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 they're kind of, they, they, they know what, what the theory of change would be that, that, that would work. And, um, and I, I think they do, they do underestimate us, but, uh, yeah, it's like on all sides of this, what we kind of have an idea that, that 
uh, you know, not only something like trial is, is going to be really ugly for them and really beneficial for us, but that us all kind of coming together and, and mm-hmm. seizing that collective power is, is kind of how we get from A to B and they're, yeah, do, doing whatever they can to, to, to keep that from happening. Um, but really there's, there's not a debate about, about how powerful that sort of thing is. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, hopefully, um, we can grow even more, more coordinated. Um, I kind of stick it to the ex FBI agent there. Um, yeah, you know, in areas like, you know, this Iowa convergence that happened because of your trial, like generally here, there isn't, you know, super coordinated, organized, you know, actions. And it's, there, there's different reasons to it. You know, most vegans aren't going to move to Iowa. It's not the most appealing um, area to live. Um, as someone who cares about animals, you know, any direction from my house, if you drive long enough, you're going to find a dumpster full of corpses and you don't have to drive that long. And, you know, that's super unfortunate, but unfortunately, this is really where activism is super needed. And that's why, you know, I feel like this convergence was really powerful having all these people that do deeply care and are willing to, you know, go and investigate things. Um, Hopefully, you know, if there's another trial brought here, then we can have another little convergence and um yeah yeah we'll see we'll see (laughs) well um okay i just have one more question for you so is there any particular message that you would like to relay before you finish up you know anything you just really want to share for anyone listening here well the one thing that sticks out to me is that I hope that the people look at it a situation like this this trial in this circumstance and they are heartened and that they uh it helps people to believe in their the, the power that that each of us have and maybe that seems cliche but it it is just you you see these examples of people and it's a can be a small group of people that that just are really going to come together and take collective action and um you know in a place like Iowa where they have these these ag gag laws and they and they have prosecutions. And, and another thing our, our friend with the FBI was talking about, he's like, yeah, well, when we've had these prosecutions and, and passed these laws, they've succeeded in tamping down the activism activity. Um, and that can, it's very understandable when you don't have, the, you know, like you said, the supportive community and, and so on that people, uh, you know, are understandably scared and organizations are, you have resources to protect and, and they have to that sort of stuff. And so prosecutions and ag-ag laws and so on can push people away. But, um, you know, we can also come together and, and be courageous and, uh, and, and be, you know, take calculated risks. And we can, um, it can push things in the, the, the complete opposite direction. And I think right now they are really um, just, just reeling. I think that for them to be in a situation where they're really just there are no legitimate means for them to solve the problem that they have on their hands. Like, how are you going to get rid of this never-ending PR nightmare? It's like, well, you sure as heck aren't going to do it by having an open public conversation. So what are you going to do with it? Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, um, yeah, I just encourage people, like, like, like get active. Uh, you can, you know, check out, uh, obviously, the group I'm involved with, Direct Action Everywhere. I think we are, we are doing lots of things right. And I would encourage people to, to check out, DXC and really you can dig into the blogs and some of the 
foundational kind of uh, theory of change of like sort of like the why we do what we do and um, and uh, get active and, and organize and, and start a chapter and join up with uh, with DXE actions and uh, be part of part of the greatest liberation movement in world history. Yay, yay. Well, awesome. I hope that a lot of people listening to this um, really heard that and took that to heart. And, you know, hopefully some new activists may spring up out of this. Um, well, thank you so much for, for being here today and for coming to Iowa. I know it was four try. Well, you came to Iowa before that, you know, thank, thank you for bringing this activism to Iowa because it's deeply, deeply needed. Um, and I hope that I see you again, maybe, maybe in another trial that may or may not be canceled. We'll see. We'll see. Um, but yeah, I appreciate, I appreciate you a lot for being here today, for being here in general. And I hope that you have a lovely rest of your day. That's uh, perfect. Uh, thanks so much, Diane. Thanks for everything. Yeah, thank you.